A few major retailers figure out a creative way to get around the port delays, the shipping problems that they're having. A certain person writes into the New York Times says that a 40-hour workweek for them is going to be unsustainable because they've got a puppy and just can't hack it. And a couple of people in upstate New York figure out a way to monetize goats. Go figure. The theme today, if you're willing to be creative, you win. Buckle up, get ready. This is the Soul of Wisdom. Here we go. Greetings and welcome. This is the Soul of Wisdom. Nice to have you with us here today. I am Dan, and with me, the alluring articulate angel, the God <laughs> voice, the producer wife, Beth. How are you? I am well, thank you. Nice, nice. So listen, here's what you need to do, dear listener. You need to go to soulwisdom.com, S-O-U-L-E, wisdom.com. There you will find all of our goodies, and we are proud to announce that officially launched now is our first teachable course. If you go to the Learn tab at the top of soulwisdom.com, you will find a course on how to run a thriving and successful Etsy store. I worked for over two months on that thing. It's over 90 lectures strong. It's worth a look. There's some free content. If you've ever thought about doing anything on Etsy, you should go check that out. And then let us know what you think about it. Questions at soulwisdom.com. You can submit your comments on my course there. Producer wife, are you glad I'm done with it finally? I am. It only took me ever. Yeah. Not even forever, just ever. Just ever. Yeah. But I put a lot of heart and soul into it. So please check it out. See what you think. And you see what I did there? Heart and soul. Yes. S-O-U-L-E. Yeah. We like to play with our last name. Also, Twitter at soulwisdom. Feel free to tweet us. That would be fun too. So for those of you that are watching, for those of you who are on YouTube or Rumble, for those of you who are our visually gifted listeners, you'll probably find that I'm a little shinier today than what I have been in recent episodes. I, I got my, my hair did today. You did. I did. And it's I got all five of them cut. I'm holding my head down now. You can see just how incredibly bald I've become. <laughs> But that's okay. So I got all five of them cut and it was only what, $30? Yes. Yeah. Inflation people. Yeah. That's $6 a hair. <laughs> but I did get all six hair, five, I've lost five hairs, $6 a hair. Yes. Jesus, math is hard. Uh, no, but, uh, but I did get all of them washed though too. Yes. She, she did wash it as well. Yeah. Which, you know, is good because, you know, at, at uh, undisclosed age that I am, you can judge by the gray. If again, if you're one of our visually gifted li listeners, I'm stumbling today. Did you spike my milk that's in front of me? No. I'm talking like I just, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Enough ramble. The other day we were talking about shipping problems and logistics problems, and. Would I be underestimating what we were talking about, uh, producer wife, if I were to say it was just a disaster? It was a dumpster fire for sure. Dumpster fire. That was the phrase of the day. That's correct. So you have uh, cargo ships backed up in a two-week delay at the ports on the left coast. Uh, you have uh, trucking problems because we are 60,000 truckers short in yes. the United States. Yep. We can't get the truck the uh ships unloaded fast enough to get them on the trucks if we could get them on the trucks we don't have enough people to bring stuff 
On the outgoing side, we don't have enough truckers to get stuff to the ports, so when these containers are going back out, they're going out empty. It is a mess. So we predicted, and rightfully so, that there was going to be problems with uh, with Christmas yeah. and with uh, stores having full shelves and stuff like that. And apparently the big companies have figured that out as well, and they're trying to figure out a way around it. So to continue that discussion here on segment number one, just to uh, add to what we were talking about before, uh, again, on the visually gifted side, you can see this on your screen. Biggest U.S. retailers charter private cargo ships to sail around port delays. Home Depot, Costco, and Walmart resort to private charters to push stock to shelves for holiday shoppers. Something tells me that's pricey. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess I can't blame them. I mean, you got you to gotta get the goods there. I think it's sad that we don't have enough that we produce here in the U.S. anymore to actually pull off a holiday shopping season. Yeah. But, you know they still got to make this happen if for no other reason than their shareholders will probably insist that they all the entire boards get fired but okay so article says global supply chain delays so severe that some of the biggest u.s retailers have resorted to an extreme and expensive tactic to try to stock the shelves they're charting their own cargo ships Port delays, COVID-19 outbreaks, and worker shortages have snarled the flow of products between Asia and North America, threatening, I am stumbling today, <sighs> deep breath, okay, threatening the supplies of everything from holiday decorations and toys to appliances and furniture. It's taking roughly 80 days to transport across the Pacific, twice as long as before the pandemic. Well, that, that, you know, two weeks of that is just with the ship standing still now. Yeah. Yeah. And they still got to pay those sailors on those ships. Yep. It's just nuts. Okay, so Walmart, Home Depot, Costco, oh, and down here it says, and Target, so four of them, uh, are among among companies, so it applies even more than that. Paying for their own chartered ships as a wider plan to mitigate disruptions. And costly, a costly and unattainable option for most companies, you think? So these ships that they're chartering, they're, the biggest shipping company is Maersk. I believe they're Danish. Yeah. And they're the ones that just move everything. But uh, in their, their vessels, this thing says, holds like uh, 20,000 containers. And the ones that the, uh, the stores are hiring hold 1,000. Yeah. And it is costing them to bring these thousand containers on a ship over $140,000 a day. That's pricey. So what did it say it was taking 40 days? 80. 80. Okay, so at 40, quick math here, producer wife. So 40 times 140,000, that's 5.6 million in transportation costs. For one ship. For one ship holding 1,000 containers. If it only takes 40 days. If it only takes 40 days. And if once it gets here, by the way, the article went on to say that they're moving it to um, to uh, other ports. Uh, like um, Trying to avoid Yeah, that like backup. Portland, I think, was one yeah. of them. Yeah. So or even looking at the possibility of rotting to the East Coast, which means it'll take more than 40 days. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you got to go through the canal at that point. But, um, yeah... That's just, you, you, but what I was going to say is even if they get it to the port, you know, then there's still the matter of a shortage of trucking. 
Yeah. To actually get it out to the stores. Would Walmart just use... They obviously have their own truck drivers. Yeah, they do. Um, well, they have their own DCs and their own trucks. I don't know that they own the drivers. I don't know if they contract that out or if they're actually Walmart drivers or if there's a mix. There's probably a mix, I'd imagine. I don't know. I wonder if they could divert some of that. Maybe. Especially for the bigger companies, because obviously they also transport goods between stores and everything else. Yeah, I mean, I see this as... Um, as a smart play if they have the money to do it and again it's got to be the giants that do this because at 5.6 million that's an expensive charter not everybody's gonna pull that off yeah um but then i i still question i guess the i mean i think they have to try but i think the logistics once the stuff gets here is still a problem because we we still don't have enough enough truckers that's why i was speculating if they diverted some of the people they already have yeah I, I think they're going to have to. They're, they're going to have to have the janitors driving trucks at this point. Yeah. Good luck, everybody on the highways. You know, and, unless they're getting crash courses and running these trucks. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the just the logistic issues just right here. You, you can't count on anything. I mean, we had a customer today uh, who bought from one of our online stores who let us know that their product hasn't arrived yet and it's been stuck in the system for like 10 days now and um you know all we can tell them is hey there's just delays everywhere he's got to write it out but it's it's frustrating uh but i give i like i said though i guess i give these places credit for at least trying uh but the article went on to say too let me pull it back up so i'm not completely talking out of my hind end on this it was um, these ships will account for under 20% of the warehouse retailers import volume they were talking about Costco um, and Costco is making 10 deliveries so they're doing this 10 times so about 56 million that they're going to spend to get the goods here and at that even that extensive of a cost they're still only going to get a very small percentage of their shelves filled yeah well stuff flies off the shelves in costco in a day no i know so yeah i mean that's just a huge expense for you know what's really just a drop in the bucket for them this is going to be a really interesting season and i can't i can't um i can't not believe that that expensive of a shipping cost is yet gonna be another driver of uh Inflation. Inflation. Yep. I mean, of course. It, nothing, nothing happens in a business, at least if the business are run properly. Nothing happens that doesn't end up in the price of an item. Yeah. So, you know, you go to Costco because you know you can get the big screen TV two pack with the bonus beef jerky and get it at a great price. I don't know if you can get it at a great price anymore, and you might not get the beef jerky. Yeah. It might just be the two big screens now. That's sad because you go, you buy that for the beef jerky. Did Costco even um, reinstate their samples after everything? Well, I don't or know because we stopped going to Costco. That's true. Yeah, I don't know how it is around you, dear listener, if you have a Costco, but our Costco's were so bad uh, during uh, this lovely pandemic that at times there was uh, like an hour and a half wait just to get in the door. Yeah. And we just said, no, no, no. You know, our time is money. We're not going to sit there in line, you know, socially distance with masks on 
in you know 110 degree heat because you know we're in arizona yeah so no 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 so i, I don't know i don't know if they did or not but that was the other attraction so if they don't have the you know if i go to costco i want my big screen tv two pack with the free beef jerky and i want my samples if i can't have those things i actually saw samples the other day at fries oh there was a sample there was a sample lady and it was the first time i've seen samples anywhere so it made me curious if costco's started them back up maybe fries is the uh, kroger equivalent here in arizona by the way um yeah maybe they are maybe yeah anyways um just quick to button up the topic here a little bit i give um like i said i give these places credit for trying you know a for effort i don't know if it's going to work and it's incredibly expensive i hope it works for as much money as they're putting into it i do too but i still stand by what we said at the end of that episode where we stood by the idea that if you are a small business this is your time yep if um you know, if you are nimble, if you have the ability to adapt to the goods that are available and uh, you can supply people with things quickly, I think your business is going to do really well because despite these efforts, I think what's going to happen is the, the shelves are just not going to be stocked well enough. I mean, again, Costco, 20% of what they need is the best they're going to be able to do with these ships. So They actually have to have the employees to stock the shelves too. And they have to have the employees, so that's a problem. So, you know... Bob and Betty's local business, I think, is going to be where it's at. So again, if you own a small business, you need to uh, uh, you need to be ready to rock and roll. And I get your I get your name out in front of everybody that you can and say, hey, we can get you what you need. We can get you gifts. We can cater your events, whatever it is that you do, and uh, really try to clean up because once these places run out of stuff, people you know, are going to stop going there. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to go there. They're going to look for alternatives, and that's when they come running to people like us. I mean, like with our Etsy store or what we do on eBay, things like that. They'll find us. They'll yeah. find our website. You know, same thing for you, dear listener, if you have such a business. So be ready for it. Anyways, we just thought we would share what we found there just to kind of update the story that we did before. Somewhat good news. Maybe it's going to work. I don't think it's going to completely work, but that's okay because if you're a small business like us, we're still going to benefit. I believe that with every fiber of my being, or every fiber bean, as one of my kids used to say when they were little. I still don't know what a fiber bean is. Yeah. But we'll figure it out. <laughs> Okie dokie, we have other things to talk about, but we need to go eat a cookie. So you enjoy this music, and we'll be right back. I'm looking for peace while I'm praying it got my life's full to change. Yeah, I change a lot. A man with a vision, a longer wish, I'm just working. My mind is my temple, so I'm always searching for the truth. Like a burning bush in the booth, call me Moshe the Moses for the youth. Your mic is on fire like dry grass and no truth. You catch some flame when you corrupt the youth. Spoken truth speaks through the sages. My DNA Featuring some of the finest music that you've probably never heard until this show. This is the Soul of Wisdom. Visit us at soulwisdom.com, S-O-U-L-E, wisdom.com, questions at soulwisdom.com. Email us, and we might even read your email on a future episode. You never know. Never know. Producer wife Beth is back. Yep. We had cookies, and then we spent about 12 minutes trying to clean ourselves up from it, and whoops, I see another crumb right there. Okay. (laughs) Cookies are messy. Maybe we shouldn't be doing those during the break anymore. Maybe not. But they're good. They are. And they make us happy. And then we're, like, excited to go, you know, do another segment. It's much better than eating, like, you know, I don't know, something healthy. 
And if you can still find them in your store, those apple cider donut Oreos are actually quite oh, delicious. Yeah. Yeah, no, you you got to find those Ap- apple cider donut Oreos. They're they're like really good, and I don't usually eat Oreos. So if I'm eating them, and I'm getting them all over my shirt, so our visually gifted listeners can see the crumbs on me, then you know it's worth it. We were walking through the store, and our son spotted them and freaked out, and so we had to oblige and yeah, try he, them. Yeah, he like literally freaked out. He started having this weird conniption kind of thing, and he's like, "Oh, can we get them?" Yeah, and he was like a you know, like a, making a scene. So yeah. <laughs> so we're like, okay, just put him in the had, car. Had to do it. Yeah. And you know, he's only like almost a teenager now. So. And almost as big as you. But he, but he, yeah, but he cried like he was like three years old. So, you know, we don't normally give into that sort of thing, but when there's a scene. Yeah. What are you going to do? They figured us out kids. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they dominate the world now. Yes. Heaven help us all. Okie dokie. So we'll shift gears a little bit. We don't need to talk about shipping delays anymore. Or cookies. Or cookies. Well, we could talk about cookies. You want to just do a segment on cookies? Mm, maybe in a future episode. Okay, we could do it like um, like uh, Forrest Gump's friend Bubba. Shrimp salad, shrimp stew, shrimp gumbo. And we could like list out like a hundred different kind of cookies that way. That could be yeah. fun. If you want that, just uh, send us a message and we'll see if we can, yeah, we'll see if we can have that. We can do like a taste test or something. Ooh, yeah. So like, um, like an audio unboxing almost. You could compare like store brand to name brand or all sorts of things. That'd be a boring ass audio podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta tell you. Potentially there's uh, some ASMR in there as we're like chomping along, but that's it. And here's the lovely vanilla cookie scratching on the mic <laughs> <laughs> right yeah just like that that'd be funny okie dokie uh onward and upward as they say let's pull up a fun little thing i actually found this on twitter of all places i got pushed this this morning and once i was done uh rolling my eyes and gasping audibly i decided this would be something worth talking about so this is from the New York Times. This is one of those right into the New York Times and will, you know, say fun things about what you said or will answer your question or will make fun of you or whatever it is they do there. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, uh, title of this 40-hour work week is, in fact, life, you think? Yeah. Well, thank heavens they figured that out. So... Brit from Indianapolis wrote into the New York Times and said, I am 27. In the last year, I landed my dream job. My job has purpose. My skills and qualifications are used and challenged. My coworkers and supervisors are unparalleled, but alas, 40 hours a week is not sustainable. I have hobbies. I have creative pursuits and therapy and laundry. And I own a small dog. I, so I am busy. My partner and I are considering starting a family in a few years. Because I already feel like there is not enough time in the week, I wonder what getting away from the 40-hour work week looks like. I have considered self-employment, trying out artistic lifestyle, going back to academia, mildly rejecting capitalism, but maybe I should just get over it? Thoughts? Again, that was Brit from Indianapolis comment on that because I don't know about you but I have a lot there's a lot of things to say oh good heavens there's a lot of things 
Um, so the uh, Roxanne Gay, who answers this column, writes, At 46, and as the workaholic daughter of immigrants with an intense work ethic, I'm inclined to tell you that this is life. You have to get over it and find a way to balance your professional and personal lives. For many people, only having a 40-hour work week at one only having to work 40 hours a week, sorry, at one job would be a dream. It's important to acknowledge that, but we do live in a country obsessed with work to the detriment of our collective well-being. Hold that thought too. You ask an important question and one many of us struggle with. Is this all there is? Are our lives destined to be consumed by work? It is kind of maddening. Work is a means to an end. If you're lucky, you'll enjoy what you do and thrive professionally, but we're not working for fun. We're working in a capitalist society that demands our participation. Many European countries model more reasonable work-life balance. In July, Iceland shared the results of a four-day workweek trial that showed great results. So there are alternatives to working a 40-hour week. You should know that most of the other options you list are more demanding than you might think. Academia is demanding. You just have more control over where you spend your time when you're not in the classroom, though that is if you're one of the very few academics who gets tenure. As an adjunct, you do essentially the same job for a fraction of the compensation. I don't think, want to discourage you, but there is no magical way to earn a full-time salary without working full-time. You have to decide what your priorities are and what you're willing to do to nurture those priorities. If you want to pursue an artist's life or reject capitalism, how will you pay for housing, food, and health insurance? What are you willing to forego to have a more fulfilling life? The question is, that is the question rather. It's an unfair choice until we as a culture decide there is indeed more to life than work. Okay. Full disclosure, straight away. I like work. Yes, that I is very true. I believe work can define you. I believe work can sustain you. I'm going to be real controversial here and say that for a man, for a male in our society, you need work. Work is what you are built to do, in my humble opinion. Work is what keeps you from doing caveman stupid things. Hunter-gatherer. Yes, hunter-gatherer kind of things. It grounds you, it gives you purpose. There is something to that. This kind of thinking that Brit from Indianapolis presented us with frustrates the you know what out of me because we are losing sight of the idea that this country became as great as it still is, or at least trying to still be, hopefully, maybe, because it was built on the back of hard work, hardworking people. Yeah. You know, it, you don't get to be the greatest thing on the planet by sitting around. No. And they talk about Iceland and the four-day work week. The, the author, the Times, brought that up. Though Iceland doesn't have a whole lot of Elon Musks running around who work, like... No. 100 hours a week. No, what, There's a reason Elon has as much money as he does, and that's because he works way more than 40 hours a week. Yeah. What's what's Iceland doing? Okay. I'm, you know, they're a small, they're a small country. 
They've got a fraction of the people that we do. They mine stuff and they have some tourism. And I believe they've got like some server farms there or something, if I recall correctly. But that's about it. I think they have some animals too. I think they have some animal farms. That could be. But I mean, there's not a lot going on there. And that's fine. It's a little place. And what what so many don't understand is that these these schemes of working less and sharing more and quasi-socialism kind of things and stuff, they work in smaller groups. Go to the Scandinavian countries, they thrive on that, but they're, they're small and they're also this kind of homogenous culture. You know, they're not... They've also historically been very closed off to things like immigration. Yeah. Well, that's just it. They've they've maintained their culture. So as a country, they can kind of build in this one direction. You know, we're we're a melting pot of so much that that idea doesn't work here. But more disturbing for me is the fact that that this this person who wrote in kind of represents what's going on with so much of especially the youth where they don't seem to have a value placed on the idea of work. But work gives you purpose, like I said, and it gives you meaning and it it gives you a sense of accomplishment that I'm sorry, sitting around, you know, walking walking your dog and doing your laundry and you know, you've got to go do all these things because you've got hobbies. Well, those are not as fulfilling as I got a job done and I made good money doing it. And, and I'm putting food on the table. Yeah, and I'm putting food on the table. For somebody who wants to start a family, I feel like that's an important step. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's just it. It's talking about starting a family, too. Well, we want to have a family. Well, then you better go work. You need to be able to feed your family. Yeah. And, and if you're not working, even at the very least, exactly tell me what kind of example do you end up setting for that child that you're bringing up. We work, we work from home. Okay. This is not a secret at this point. Everything we do is here. Our businesses are run here and everything, but we work far longer than 40 hours. I chuckled when she's the, she, well, I don't know if it's a he or a she, but the person writes, yeah, and I thought about, you know, doing my own thing, working for myself. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah you are not you're not committing to eighty hours a week. Yeah, that requires much more than forty. Yeah. No, we, we work all the time. But anyways, all I was gonna say was our son sees that and he sees how hard we work and he's getting a sense that things aren't just handed to you. Yeah. If you want something, you have to go get it. You have to work hard for it. You can't just go, well, I'm going to do the, the bare minimum because I want to go play Frisbee five times a week. Well, you need to play Frisbee on your day off and you need to go work really hard on the days where you are working. Yeah. And then it, it frustrated me too when the, the author who's writing back was talking about, how'd she put it? Let me find this here. Her almost disenfranchised comment. Yeah. It wasn't worded that way, though. Now I can't find it. Where did it go? Awkward pause during podcast. Do, it was do, toward the do, end do, of what do, you read. Do, 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 do. Oh, there it is. You see, when you don't scroll down enough. That's why I said it was toward the end. I was hoping. <laughs> I thought it was at the oh, end. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, no, there's, there's more of an end. 
to it. Yeah, the question is, it's an unfair choice until we as a culture decide there is indeed more to life than work. I would argue as Americans, we, we already figured that out. We have worked as hard as we have for generations now because we were building a great country and that, that was the more. Yeah. You know, we worked for this thing that was more. The work got us to what was more. They're trying to work this from the reverse. That we can do go do the more, but we don't have to put the work in. Yeah. Huh? It, it's it's kind of like the you know the person who wants to go to be a computer programmer and write some kind of cool game for the PlayStation or something, but they don't learn how to program. Yeah. You gotta you gotta put in the time. You gotta put in the work. You can't be a doctor without going to medical school. You know, well, we need truck drivers. Go learn how to drive a truck. But you can't drive a truck if you don't go learn how to do it. You got to put in the time. You got to put the effort. There's a little bit of a culture problem here too, because even in this article, the person talks about how she was the author, the that she was a child of immigrants, and that they've always worked very hard. So she's implying that she has a hard work ethic, and telling the person writing in that they have to just deal with it, but. She's also saying that it's an unfair choice. Well, not really. You know, if you're making the cho you're making the choice to support your family, and there comes a point where you have to learn to be happy and content with the choices that you've made, because otherwise you're just going to be miserable in every aspect of your life. And if you choose to be happy with the fact that you're going to work and you're supporting your family, it's going to make it a lot more tolerable. Breaking news alert! Oh wow, this just came in off. Uh off the uh, website here, one of the news sites. Dateline October 11, life is not fair. <laughs> huh, okay. But yeah, in, I, I, don't, I don't know. You can find a lot of peace and solace though by just accepting your situation because a lot of times you can work it up in your own brain to make it feel worse than it really is. And it sounds like the person writing in was doing this because she acknowledged, I, I, I'm guessing it's a she, they acknowledged that they got their dream job. Well, be happy you got your dream job. Yeah. There's plenty of people out there who have not. So you're already a leg up. Be happy. She said she liked her coworkers. They said they liked their coworkers, their boss. Be happy. I know. It's, there's there's a lot of positive there. Yeah. See podcast episode two, where we talked in part about figuring out what you want to be about versus what you want to be and how you need to define what it is that defines you beyond just the work that you do. And that, that may sound weird because I'm talking about how work is valuable. Work is valuable and you need to do it and you need to do a lot of it but it doesn't have to define you. It's the other things that can define you. This sounds like a person who hasn't figured out what defines them in part. And you can get a lot done during the day if you really prioritize your time. I mean, when we worked together in um, retail before, we neither one of us worked a 40 hour week then either. No. And I still got a ton of things done. I, back then I had a dog and 
I would go home and take care of the dog and, you know, you can work that stuff out. It's, it's not impossible to do. You can still have a very fulfilling, balanced life. And a lot of people who, the um, author also implied this, a lot of people who have these type of jobs also have other jobs. So there's plenty of people out there who are not only just working a 40-hour work week, but gig work on the side or whatever. And I guarantee they're still participating in hobbies and doing things and having fun and yeah, time yeah. management. Yeah, the this particular person, and I, I feel like so many, they they need to, I, extract head from rear end. I guess, I hate to put it that way, but I don't know a better way to put it. You know, you've. You gotta you gotta line up your priorities. You gotta figure out what's important. And if we can't work a forty hour week because we have hobbies and a dog, there's something broken in you. Yeah. Yeah. Because. But again, you know, like I said, even if it's just a time management problem. I mean. Or a, if, or a being happy and accepting what you have problem. Yeah. We could have it a lot harder than we have it now. Funny Family Guy episode from last year, if you'll recall, they did this little clip where these dudes back in like the 20s or something like that were digging the tunnels for the subway in New York. Mm-hmm. And the, the foreman's like, all right, here's the plans. Let's go to it. We got a week to do this. Now let's go in there, dig this tunnel and die. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like, yeah, let's go. But it, it was a funny way to kind of highlight the fact that, you know, the people who built this place that we now take advantage of they worked and often died doing it. My great grandma on my mom's side, her husband actually died in um, a coal incident. And uh, at that time, my grandma was a baby. And so she wound up getting remarried eventually. But yeah, it was just a freak accident. And he and a couple other people died. And mm-hmm. stuff happens. That That's definitely worse work environment than we have now. There are dozens of people across the United States who are permanently entombed in concrete piers that were poured for bridges. Yeah. Where they slipped and fell into them, and there ain't no getting them out, and they're still there. But, you know, that's that's work, that's sacrifice, that's building for something. It's, we are so, everything is just so cushy now. There's just no, there, there's no appreciation for just how good you've got it. And a 40-hour work week, trying to balance that with a dog and some hobbies and your significant other, that's a pretty doggone good life. And quite honestly, 99% of the world would trade what they have to come here and do just that. Yep. So I think we need to get better at appreciating it. Anyways, I think that I've made my point there. So I think we need some milk now to go with the cookies that we had earlier. Yep. So we're going to drink that milk. And we're going to come back and talk about something just a little bit different yet again. Be right back here at the Soul of Wisdom. Yeah. 
living in the sky into the wild Christopher McCandless with a blank canvas Everybody anxious, let that stress vanish Candle lit dinner with my soul, I'm famished Gonna clear my plate, gonna celebrate Welcome back to this final segment of the day at Soul of Wisdom SoulWisdom.com Questions at SoulWisdom.com Email us at SoulWisdom This final segment of the show today Brought to you by this three-quarter drank glass of silk oat milk. Yes. Silk oat milk, the finest milk you can get made from oats. It sounded like you said silk goat milk, which is kind of funny leading into the next goat, segment. Uh, well, no, yeah. But I don't think they make goat milk. No, they don't. So yeah, there, there's something coming there. But no, my only question was exactly how do they get those little oats still enough to milk them? That's what I was still trying to figure out. And it's got to be such a finite amount of milk that they get out of it, too. Well, yeah, milking almonds can't be easy, either. Yeah, that's true. They milk almonds, and those suckers are dry as a bone. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's dedication right there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's so expensive. It takes, like, 10 million almonds to get, like, a half a cup of milk. Well, have you seen, um, I think it's Blue Diamond now has uh, some banana milk. I don't know if you've seen that in the store. And I was, Didn't we get one once to try? We, we talked about it, but it was like $7. Oh, that's <laughs> so it was right. crazy yeah. expensive. But, um, but yeah, I'm not sure how you milk a banana either. I could see milking a banana over milking an almond. At least you could, you know. But don't they just like puree the crap out of almonds over like some water or something? Yeah. And that's what they call the milk. Yeah. Yeah. And then they strain it. Yeah. There's so a process. It's, it's not milk. It's almond water. Yeah. Okay. Probably the same thing with this oat milk. Though I still like the visual of them trying to actually take the little oat, oat. and squeeze it and <laughs> just get the little drip out. And then, you know, you do that like 10 million times and then you have your half a gallon of oat milk. Quite tedious. It's amazing. It's not more expensive. That's fair. So during the break, I learned something that I did not know thanks to the God voice of the producer wife. She told me that... 2 million California residents live within 2,500 feet of an oil refinery. I had no idea they were making so much energy out there, especially when they like don't want to do that because yeah. they're all about the, the solar and the Don't they the also wind. buy a lot of uh, energy from Arizona? From oh, yeah. State? No, we're selling them energy like crazy. Like half of our energy gets gets sent over there. Because they don't have enough. And they still had rolling blackouts. They still have rolling blackouts. But yeah, I didn't know that. Did you know that, dear listener? They have so many oil refineries and everything else that they're like everywhere. She showed me a picture where there's like this residential neighborhood. And you've got like house, 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 house. Big honking oil refinery. House, 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 house. Like all butted up against each other. Like... If you were driving down a subdivision, it's just on a road. It looked like a normal subdivision, except there's oil refinery right next to a house. Yeah. Like right on the other side of a fence. Can you imagine the insurance bill on the house that's right next door to that behemoth? Can you imagine the smell? I mean, we've driven through places that do such things, and it doesn't smell great. Well, and we, it's not it can't it's not healthy for the residents. There's no way it's healthy for the residents. No, we live fairly rural and we get a lot of farm smell, and that's bad enough. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine twenty four seven oil and natural gas smell. Yeah, we get the smell of horses, chickens. Yeah, there's a big chicken farm to the west of us. We're downwind. It's a little rank some days. We're close to some cow farm too, aren't we? Yep. Yeah. 
But the farm to the south of us is going to be a subdivision soon. Yeah. So we have that. Okie dokie. So enough banter. We're, we're bantering a lot today, but we're having fun and hopefully you're having fun too. If you're not, if you're not having fun right now, I mean, really having fun, you should still keep listening to us because <laughs> we, we need that sweet, sweet listen time. So other people continue to find us. So do not click away from the show ever. All right, so the producer wife brought a article, an article, not a article, language, Daniel, brought an article to my attention that's kind of neat. And it switches gears a little bit. In the last segment, we talked about lazy. Yeah. All right, this is a story of people who figured out a way to make stuff work. Now, the article is entitled Why Natural Beauty Beekman 1802 Turned to Snapchat to Introduce Its Skin Kindness Brand at Ulta. Um, I don't think we're going to talk about the Snapchat part no, of it. No, that wasn't what, the part that I thought was cool. Yeah, what's more interesting is the story behind this business, not, not where they decided to make a Snapchat account. Yeah. But the uh, article says, Indie Beauty Beekman 1802 has always been a special brand mound mounded? founded by married partners Brent Ridge and Josh Kilmer Purcell. It came about by accident. After buying an upstate farm in New York as a weekend getaway in 2007, they simultaneously found themselves out of high-paying city jobs due to the recession. That happened to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, that was about the time that we moved to Arizona yep. and we left behind careers back in the Midwest, yep. came out here only to find that the cupboard was bare. Yep. So, you know, but we're resourceful, just like these people were. So retreating to the farm to ponder next steps, they were called on by neighbor John Hall, whose herd of 80 goats lost their home. Now, the article doesn't say why the herd of 80 goats lost their home. I don't know if John lost his farm. Yeah, it kind of implied to me that farm may have been repoed by the bank or something. Yeah, that was that was kind of, or, or the um, or the vig on the goats was due and he was trying to hide them. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I don't know. Who knows? But, but anyways, as an act of neighborly kindness, they invited farmer John and his goats in and the rest is history. They didn't even know beauty would be their next calling, but with a herd of goats on hand, they started there. We just Googled what we can make with goat milk, Dr. Ridge says. They discovered that goat milk is a healing balm for sensitive skin proven over centuries of use. They also found there wasn't a lot of competition in goat milk soap. While it was a fixture at the farmer's markets for small makers, there was little available to a wider audience due to supply constraints. So the article goes on and on to say how they were featured on Martha Stewart. They had like this show on Shop EQ, uh, all sorts of stuff. But basically, they found themselves with a bunch of goats. And what do we do with them? And oh, by the way, we're out of a job. And oh, by the way, we just bought this farm. And oh, by the way, we probably can't afford it. Yeah. What would 99% of the population do in that instance? Well, they probably wouldn't help the neighbor by taking the goats. And it sounded like the, the way the sentence was worded that they took in the neighbor, too. Yeah. No, 99% of the population would be like that dude from Aliens who was always freaking out. The one, like, uh, wussy kind of soldier. He'd be like, it's game over, man. It's game over. Yeah. And just, like, give up and, you know, hand over the deed to the farm and, you know, 
and go live out of their cars for a while or something. But no, these these guys figure out you know a way to make it work. We've got a farm. We've got goats. Let's let's see what we can do. So they did some old fashioned research. Yeah. And came up with an idea, and then did some old fashioned marketing for said. Yeah. And grew it and grew it and grew it, and now they're like available nationwide. Yeah. Through a major beauty retailer. Through a major beauty retailer. And just to, in case you're curious with the Snapchat thing, their display at major beauty retailer has one of the little Snapchat QR codes on it. And you can scan the QR code and then you can watch a goat like march through the aisles of an altar or something like that. <laughs> so that's, that's what it does. So, you know, I mean, whatever, it's cute and I'm sure people enjoy that. Yeah. But, you know, um, I just I just give them credit for for trying and I appreciate that story because it was a similar thing here when we came out to Arizona we had a plan and the plan didn't work yeah we didn't get goats though but we didn't get goats you know we um maybe we should have got goats maybe I don't know but you know we just we just started working for ourselves like you know if if the jobs if the jobs aren't there if things aren't the way that we expected them to be then we'll just figure it out. Yeah. And we figured it out. So we did uh we did all sorts of things to start with. But in the end, you know, we just kept working at it, kept working at it, and then we created more and more things and now here we are talking to you and sharing our, our experiences. They had such a unique set of circumstances. But if you really think about it, everybody has a unique set of circumstances that makes them stand out, so to speak, from the rest of the population because you know, you had woodworking background, and for the longest time, we weren't sure if we could do anything with it. And eventually, I came up with a harebrained idea to do woodworking with jewelry, but that was taking our unique set of circumstances and trying to figure out a way to apply it. But the listeners might, you know, have artistic background or business acumen or you know, something else that makes you stand out. Yeah. There's always something, there's always something that you can contribute. There's always a way to make something work. You just, you've got to be creative about it. Yeah. You know, you, this, this dovetails into so much of what we've talked about today and what we've talked about on really all of the episodes so far is that there's, um, there's a need to have some creativity, some self-determination, some belief in yourself, some risk taking. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people in that circumstance might might have even come up with the idea, let's say, but then said, ah, it's just too risky, you know, we really don't have anything to work with, and yeah, I don't know. But what's the worst that can happen at this point? You don't have jobs, you got a farm, you got to pay for. They could drain their savings, that would be like the worst case situation. Well, you know what? You... Yeah, it's going to happen anyways. Yeah. You know, even if they didn't take the risk, if they're out of work and they've got this brand new farm, they're going to drain it as long as they can until that runs out and they're going to lose the farm. Yeah. So, but they decided that they would, you know, give this thing a try and what have they got to lose? It's that what have they got to lose kind of attitude that again is kind of foundational to, to how this country was made and why why it's so special it's built off the backs of risk taking as well yep so give something a try and again you know what's the worst going to happen what was the old thing like um like uh 
Edison figured out a thousand ways, uh, failed like a thousand times before he came up with a light bulb that worked. Yeah. And his statement was, I figured out a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you try things. You keep trying and trying and trying until something works. These guys, it worked great. I think that was super cool. Yeah. You know. I thought um, it was an inspiring story. No, it is, because they built it out of nothing, out of, you know, arguably out of desperation. But um, good for them for looking around and saying, what have we got to work with? Yeah. You know, it, kind of the same, again, back to your point, kind of the same thing as what we did. You know, but we looked at what skills we had to work with. We knew we were good at business. We knew we could market. We knew I had the woodworking skills, but prior to that, I'd always made furniture. And Beth was always kind of pestering me to do something with that skill. But my argument always was like, we can't make furniture and sell it because it takes so much space and so much in raw materials. And then you're waiting for that just right buyer for that piece. And, um, you know, you could just sit on stuff forever. And the next thing you know, you got a garage full of desks that you can't sell or something. Yeah. But then she came up with the jewelry idea where it's just small and, you know, we carry like zero inventory practically to make that happen. It's so small and doesn't take up any more space than what the shop and our garage takes. And we make money hand over fist. It was perfect. It was perfect. Perfect fit. Well, yeah, because it was brought to me by a perfect person. Aw. Aw. I'm definitely not perfect. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> but no, take some inspiration from what those people did from finding a way to get something done because that's the kind of thinking that's the kind of entrepreneurship the risk taking that's going to get us through these times that uh i still believe are going to be incredibly incredibly challenging um this is this is an interesting economy that we've got going on this is an interesting world and those who work the hardest those who try the hardest those who take the risks will be the ones that come out on top. And if we haven't made that clear in previous segments of this show and others, we'll continue to pound on that idea because I think it's foundational to pretty much everybody at this point and whether or not you're going to live a good life or a not as good one. Would yeah. you disagree? No, I do not disagree. Uh, good. And hopefully, dear listener, you agree as well. Any final parting thoughts, producer wife? I am actually pretty thought out. Your thought out. Yes. Well, that doesn't bode well for the rest of the day. <laughs> I guess we're going to go vegetate now. So we'll do that. You get on with your day, dear listener. It was a pleasure having you here. Again, please visit us online, soulwisdom.com. As a reminder, we did launch our first Teachable. Please give that a look. You can find it under the Learn tab at soulwisdom.com. Visit us there. Check out what we've got. We look forward to talking to you again soon. See ya.